What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com MLB Strategy Show. I'm Dave Lochran. With me every Wednesday, Adam Scher. Glad to have you guys with us as well. Breaking down a nine-gamer today on August 26th. Adam, breaking in to a uh, nine-game slate, but we cannot ignore the fact that Lucas Giolito tossed a no-hitter yesterday against you know, probably the most dreadful offense in the league in the Pittsburgh Pirates, but still a fantastic performance from Giolito. Got a little sketchy in the ninth inning there. Uh, a couple of balls that probably should have been hit a lot harder by better teams. But here we are, Lucas Giolito with a 13K, one-walk no-hitter. Yeah, uh, awesome performance from him, obviously. Um, I would have enjoyed it a lot more if the Yankees and Braves weren't assholes and my lineups with Giolito hadn't been dead starting 30 seconds after lock. But, uh, yeah, it was you know, obviously a great performance. I think like 59 DraftKings points. Yeah, I got a lot of tweets about that game for sure. I didn't do any MLB content yesterday, but still got a lot of yeah. tweets about that. Uh, that's rough, man. It's not something you like to see when it comes to DFS. It's one of the the pitfalls of playing MLB DFS for sure. What's going on with this? So this Yankees and, and Atlanta game, right? Uh, if you look at DraftKings, they have it up there, but it isn't it isn't uh, like canceled out as they usually do. But then all the players are canceled out. So uh, looks like we've just got nine games to talk about, at least on on DraftKings. Yeah, that's my assumption. Cause like I, I, I think it's a doubleheader today. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, but like oh, one yeah, of them. The, the, DraftKings has the note up that says players will not receive any fantasy points. Right, but one of them scheduled for. Like 945. That's yeah, they, they do that. They've done that before where like they're taking a game off the slate, but I guess on the back end or whatever, they end up just putting it's locked like really late. Yeah, that must be what it is because they my did it with that hockey game too. Um, When the, 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 when the game, went game to had the four overtime. Quad overtime. Yeah. yeah, the game after it, they pushed the start time back on the page to like 1030 or something, but really it was just because the game was canceled. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So no Yankees game. That leaves us with nine. Uh, day, there's there's a bunch of games earlier in the day, like five or six or something like that. But yeah, we've got nine games coming up starting at 7.05. So we're here to talk about that. Hit that thumbs up if you're just walking in the door. We appreciate you for it. Also, check out our sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, sponsor of the MLB Strategy Show. They got CSV uploads now. They got CSV edits. Uh, they got everything you need to MME. But also, if you're a single entry or three max type of player, your hand-building lineups, it's also a great place for that. It's a management-free contest as well if you jump in early enough, meaning all that gets paid in by the players gets paid back out to the players. Very cool. It's another word for rake, really. Uh, management fee, you call it what you want. But the fact is they're not taking any money on those contests, so there's no reason not to jump in. Go to Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Check them out. Sponsor of the uh, awesomeo.com MLB strategy show. Okay, so we'll kick it off. We'll go game by game here. We will give you guys uh, our takes. We'll give you the odds on these games, and we will um, we, we will keep it moving here over the next hour or so. So the first one we've got coming up today, Adam, is Minnesota and Cleveland. Mike Clevenger, Jose Barrios. Barrios is one of those pitchers that, you know, very good real-life pitcher. Always seems to be overpriced, though, you know, like Kawhi Leonard or – or Noah Syndergaard types. They're, uh, the, the Twins, though, minus 132 on the money line, 4.6 implied total, 4 implied total for uh, for Cleveland, which I found to be quite interesting. But again, Berrios, solid pitcher, uh, hasn't looked as sharp this season. He is, however, generating more strikeouts than he has in the past. We'll start with him. What are your thoughts on Berrios, who – all in all, is the cheapest you, you, you'll see him in a while. He's usually somehow up above 9, 10K, no matter who he faces. It really doesn't make much sense. Yeah, it's kind of funny. He's at a cheaper price point than normal coming off of a monster start against I know. the Brewers where he struck out nine and in six innings. You know, I, I agree with everything you said that he's always had this reputation as being this like really dominant pitcher when in reality he's, he's good, but he typically most seasons has a strikeout percentage around like 22% that, that just doesn't play in DFS like, you know, most of the, the ace type pitchers. So far this year, um, he's at 25.2%. If I remember correctly, though, going into that Brewers game, it was down around where like he normally is. So I, I still don't think it's it's 
like great strikeout stuff from him. But you know, he does have some decent games this year. Tough matchup against Cleveland, though. You know, not a team that I normally like to target pitchers against. Um, looking at, I guess, the pitchers kind of in his price range, I still don't really think he stands out because while he's underpriced in terms of talent, you have Denelson Lamette and Sonny Gray, not that much more expensive. So I, I still don't think he's going to be someone that I get to all that much just because I think the matchup's difficult and I don't think he's as good a pitcher, at least from a DFS standpoint than probably from a real-life standpoint, as Lamette or Sonny Gray. I can't disagree with you there. Barrios is a pitcher that anyone would like to have on their team. I just don't know uh, how appealing he is. Even it, It's a tough price. I was a little bit surprised to see Cleveland only had a four-run implied total. His swinging strike rate is up from last season. It's at 11.5. That's not bad. You know, some of the other contact rates, like outside contact, are are looking better. His zone percentage is 39%. That's a little it, bit alarming. Fastball velocity is also up one and a half miles per hour over last year. So, yeah, he he, he looks good. Uh, it's just a matter of, of whether it's worth going there today. Ownership on Berrios is probably around where you would have expected it to be. It's about, I think, 8% on DraftKings on a two-pitcher site. I didn't think it would be that high, even at a, a discounted or actually a fair price point. I wouldn't even say discounted. What about Clevenger on the other side, somebody that is is reliably going to give you strikeouts or at least throughout the the bulk of his career has reliably given us strikeouts. Uh, it's been a, bit, been a a little bit tougher this season to get there, and most of that is because he hasn't been pitching that far in the starts outside of the first one. But – I think we all know that that Clevenger is still one of the better strikeout artists in the league. It's just now he's going up against a, a Minnesota team that is extraordinarily potent from the right or from both sides of the plate against right-handed pitching. That, that, that's a little bit of a scary spot. Uh, although I will say they're they're weighted on base or their WRC plus is 104, which is pretty much right in the middle of the league against righties this year. All in all, though, 192 ISO, 323 weighted on base average. It's a good offense. Yeah, it is. And it's a little watered down right now, too. Um, but the thing is, also, I, I had this conversation with someone the other day. E- even when Minnesota runs out their weaker lineups in terms of production, they don't strike out a lot. Like, basically, the only guys in this lineup that that really strike out are Miguel Sano and Jake Cave. You get you know, an average to slightly above average strikeout percentage from Cruz. But most of these other guys are, are really difficult to strike out. So even if it's not the best lineup that Minnesota has as far as, um, you know, power goes because they're missing Garver, because they're missing Donaldson, it, it's still a tough one to strike out. So I think that, you know, Clevenger does have good strikeout stuff. Obviously, it hasn't really been there this year, but it's a small sample. Um, but I, I think that I view him pretty much in the same light that I do Jose Barrios, where – I, I don't like him as much as I like Lamette. I don't like him as much as I like Sonny Gray. But you mentioned the ownership on Barrios. It's a little bit higher on Clevenger at 14%. But if you just look at those four pitchers in this price range, you know, do I think that Denelson Lamette beats Jose Barrios um, 80% of the time? Probably not. Do I think that he beats Clevenger like 60% of the time? Probably not. Um, so I, I think that in lineups where you're going a little bit chalkier with hitters or just lineups in large field tournaments where you're trying to be different, you at least have that same range of outcomes and that same ceiling from Clevenger. It's just that the probability of him getting there is a bit lower than those other two pitchers, I think. Are you at all interested in bats from either side of this game? Neither stack getting more than 1% aggregate ownership at the time. If, if it holds that low, I'll have some interest just because both these offenses do have such good players in them. Even with Minnesota being watered down, um, if you're getting a 1% odd stack that you can build around Max Kepler, Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, and Miguel Sano, that's a ton of upside. And the same goes for building around uh, Ramirez, Lindor, Santana, obviously. So from, if the ownership stays that low, I'll, I'll probably get there and I'll have interest. But um, I, I don't think either one's in a particularly good spot. If I had to guess which one does better, or if I had to say, you know, I, I prefer one, I would lean towards Cleveland just because Barrios does have a history of um, struggling a bit with power and having a lower strikeout percentage than Clevenger. Meanwhile, the next game at 7-10 is the Chicago Cubs and the Detroit Tigers. You've got John Lester and Michael Fulmer. This one looking a little bit different. You got the the Cubs with a five and a half implied total, minus 149. Uh, The Detroit Tigers are 4.6 total. Right now, the Cubs are getting higher aggregate ownership than than any team, and their top stack probability is higher than any team as well. Uh, A lot of that plays into the – a lot of the reasoning for that is their value, 
the top value is also up there. If you're looking at our top stack tool at awesomeo.com. So every, everything kind of grades out really well for them today. The only thing is they're going to be extraordinarily high owned for obvious reasons. Right. And I think it's a good spot. You know, Fulmer's most likely not going more than three innings. Uh, the Tigers bullpen behind him, you're, you're liking the Cubs chances there. Really, you just run into the fact that there's still 17 other offenses on this slate and it's baseball. You know, you can, the Cubs can even hit well and still not be needed. You know, if they're just getting singles, doubles and lineouts or something like, um, it, it's so easy for, you know, any popular offense to fail in baseball that on a nine game slate, you're not really in large field tournaments. If you were just in large field tournaments, if you were to just fade the 20% of the team every single day this season, they're of a baseball season, you're going to make money pretty much without question. So, you know, that would be the issue with the Cubs. Obviously it is a good spot though. And you should be looking there in cash games at the very least. Dude, well, I, I, we're on the same page only because that's insane ownership on such a, a large slate. Fulmer's allowed six home runs in 11 and a third innings. That's insane. Yeah. It's not, it's not very good. Not sustainable. I mean, and, and by that, I mean, either he's just going to stop pitching at the major league level <laughs> or, or he's going to figure something out because he was never that bad. He, but, he has been running bad to righties. He's allowed a 714 ISO, and his expected ISO is only 660. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, God, 682 Woba. What's his ex Woba? Um, to righties, 660. Oh, so he's running bad there too. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he's been great against lefties, you know, holding them to a 332 X Woba <laughs> and a, a 082 X ISO. My God, it's been really bad, dude. It's been really, really bad. His yeah. his expected ISO on his fastball to right, he's great. He's throwing 25 fastballs, so don't like this doesn't mean anything. Like you said, it's not sustainable. He's thrown a total of 225 pitches this year. But um, his expected ISO on his fastball to right, he's is 1.312. Okay, so you just said 1.1, yeah, not 0.1? Yeah, his actual ISO is one and a half. Oh, my God. So I can see why people might have some interest in the Cubs. But uh, that's crazy. John Lester against Detroit. I know one of your favorite pitchers. What are you doing with him? Not rostering him. Um, It's insane to me that John Lester's salary is higher than all of Clevenger, Lamette, Berrios, and Gray. Uh, Pretty disrespectful to those guys to have them priced below a pitcher of John Lester's ability. Um, you know, again, for the season, you're just kind of getting normal uh, John Lester. He's I don't see his uh, I don't see his numbers in front of me, but I think they're pretty much in line with uh, what you normally get out of him. He struck out 14 percent of righties. He struck out 23 percent of lefties. If you go back to last year, it's 21 percent and 20 percent, respectively. Just not a high strikeout guy. Obviously, the, the Tigers lineup isn't the most formidable, but they do have plenty of right-handed bats. The entire lineup will probably be right-handed and they do have, you know, some power there. I think that there is a decent chance that the Tigers get some ownership. Um, Right now. Yeah. Right now we have them as the third highest owned stack because we have them with the highest top value percentage. And I think it's just that they're, they're way too cheap. Like Jonathan scope at 4,400 is a reasonable price. But Miguel Cabrera, sub 3K, Candelario, 3,500, Jacoby Jones, most likely leading off at 2,500, Victor Reyes, 2,800. You can use these guys either as mini stacks, full stacks, value, and just get whatever else you want in the rest of your lineup. So they're going to be popular too. Anytime a team that is as not, is as untalented as the Tigers gets a lot of ownership, you can certainly get away from them. But again, it's, this is a game that I think is a lot more appealing for cash than it is for, for tournaments. Yeah, and while it's probably not sustainable, the Tigers are are fourth in ISO against left-handed pitching this season. Yeah, I mean they do have a lot of right-handed bats. That yeah, know. yeah, no, no doubt they've been they've been like somewhat not horrible. It's one way to put it. You want to move on to the next one? Um, yeah. Okay, Miami and New York match. Jacob Degrom, Alicia Hernandez, Jacob Degrom, right now hauling in. Massive ownership on a nine-game slate. Just absolutely massive ownership. You're talking about 56% at the time being. Will it change? It's possible. Who knows? But probably not. 43% on a single-pitcher site like FanDuel. Also crazy. But now he's facing Miami. He's a spectacular pitcher through and through. And 
you know, people have reason to want to roster him. But what you're going to see with that is you're going to roster him. You're going to roster Denelson Lamette against Seattle. Uh, and then you're going to see some of these lesser talented teams or, as you said, untalented teams that are cheap get a lot of ownership, which is one of the reasons why the Detroit Tigers right now have the third highest aggregate or projected aggregate ownership because they're cheap. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to come down to DeGrom and Lamette being in a ton of lineups. Yeah, I think this is where right, you start. I'm going to grab my drink. Keep talking. Okay. I think this is where you start to get into really interesting roster construction points because, you know, we, we just talked about in that Cubs and Tigers game how cheap all these hitters are and that you're going to be able to do whatever you want with pitching and with other bats. So it's going to be really, really easy to get to the Grom in a fantastic spot against the Marlins. 2.7 implied run total, 32% strikeout percentage this season for DeGrom, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Velocity is up as well. Um, his fastball velocity is up one and a half miles an hour this season. Everything looks really, really good. But because it's going to be so easy to get to him, you're obviously going to see a lot of ownership go there. And then you're going to see a lot of that ownership concentrated on, you know, for example, the Cubs and the Tigers bats. This slate is interesting because you have the high upside mid-range options in Gray, Clevenger, Lamette, and uh, Barrios, where you can get a completely different roster construction going to bats that aren't the Cubs or the Tigers, going to two of those pitchers for, uh, you know, less money than you're spending with the Grom plus someone else. So I think that, um, obviously, any DeGrom you get to, you're going to be really happy with. Uh, if I'm playing 150 lineups, I'd expect to have a lot of DeGrom just because he's going to fit into so many lineups. But I would at lower ownership and, you know, just hoping that DeGrom has like a 25-point game and doesn't completely kill you. Right. The The ownership on a nine-game slate is pretty insane, despite how good he is. People see the matchup with the Marlins. People know that it's Jacob DeGrom. You're going to see the um, – you're going to see the the total in this game, and and the Miami's run total is currently a two point seven, so that doesn't help. Mets are minus two fifty money line. Those are all the things that are going to really uh, force people over there. But I, I I don't think you're wrong in that Jacob Degrom is a is a great pitcher, but when you're paying this much for him at this much ownership. Even the best pitchers, the the likelihood that they're going to go out there and rip off 40 fantasy points every time really isn't that high. Right. And it's, you know, kind of like I said, if I'm playing 150 lineups, I'd expect to have a lot of DeGrom because I'll just find other ways to be different in some of those lineups. But it really does come down to you have to find that way to be different. Because like if you go on DraftKings right now and just click Jacob DeGrom and Nelson Lamette into your lineup because they're the top two projected own, own pitchers, you have $3,800 left to spend on bats. There's two hitters in the entire entire Tigers lineup that are more expensive than that. Basically, the entire Cubs lineup is less expensive than 3,800. So you're going to people are going to be able to just put those two pitchers in and do and roster a lot of stacks that look pretty good, lineups that project really well. Um, so you're going if you go that route, you're just going to be basically flipping a coin against tens of thousands of people to try and win tournaments. Um, so I think from a full roster perspective, if you do go to Grom and one of the mid-range arms, you just need to be really off the board somewhere. It's kind of crazy to think how many lineups are going to be flat out eliminated today uh, in the event that the Cubs and, and Tigers go low scoring and Jacob DeGrom maybe just has a 23 fantasy point game. Yep. It's also really likely that tonight's a stupidly high scoring slate. It feels like it for sure. No doubt about it. It feels like it, but... You know, a lot of times you might feel like that's coming and, and, and then it ends up being a spectacularly low scoring slate. It's, it's yeah. baseball. It's a strange sport. And just kind of to bring it back to one of the first teams we talked about, you mentioned the Indians having aggregate ownership below 1%. There's four hitters in their projected lineup, sub 3,800. You also have Santana at 4,100. So, like, that's a team that you can stack at a similar price point as the Cubs or Tigers, where, you know, at least they're not getting ownership. So, you're going to be different. Are you interested in any bats from the uh, Mets side against Hernandez? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much always interested in the Mets. It's another team that's really, really cheap. There are, thirty, yeah, like the most expensive hitter in this lineup is Peter Alonzo at 4,300. Um, Brandon Nimmo probably leading off at 3,500 looks like a really good value. Our The aggregate ownership on them is only 3.7%. To me, I would much rather be rostering the Mets than going to like the Tigers you know, based on, based on ownership and based on just how much power is in the Mets lineup. You know, I think Hernandez is a decent pitcher, but there's just 
power really like top to bottom in the Mets lineup. Um, Hernandez strikeout stuff it has been really, really good this year. 27% to righties, 40% to lefties. Going back to last year, he's at 26 and 25%. Probably shouldn't be as cheap as he is, honestly, but um, just from a, a power standpoint, um, a 213 expected ISO to lefties last year or since last year, 160 to righties. And you have so much cheap power in the Mets lineup. I think that they're going to give you a uh, solid upside in tournaments. Just to back up here one second, does Lester really have a 5.1% swinging strike rate this year? Probably. 5.1%, dude. That's, that's crazy. That's that's alarmingly bad. Seven home runs allowed. Yeah, it's it's 1.6% to lefties and 6.9% to righties. There you go. Horrible. And he's, and he's striking out lefties at a much higher clip. But Right, I think 23% and then yeah, righties. Yeah, 23 to 14 yeah, it's 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 garbage. The reason I mentioned that is because uh, if you're looking at this next game here between Oakland and Texas, you've got Mike Fires uh, and and Colby Allard, and Mike Fires has gotten no swings and misses whatsoever. Now, it's not something he usually does. There was a time, by the way, that Mike Fires actually had a pretty pretty neat curveball that could get a decent amount of missed bats. Uh, that time has come and passed. Five point seven percent swinging strike rate for him. His xFIP. Is close to, is actually I believe his xFIP is above six. Yes, his, Mike Fires xFIP is north of six. Uh, all in all, it's been a a rough go for for the Oakland righty, and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure how easy I'm not sure things are going to get all that much better for him today. But the truth is, if there was ever a team to make life easier on him, it would be the Texas Rangers. Now that is not to say that I'm interested in Fires. I, I think the price point on him must be completely must have the matchup super baked into this but my god 7800 for mike fires feels like a price that that i'm personally not all that willing to pay for knowing that he is he has provided zero upside as far as strikeouts go but like i said texas bats i don't know if they can i don't know if they can capitalize on this either what do you say I, I think the pricing is just really weird and it has to just be driven by Texas. But, you know, you look at all the arms around them. It's like you have all these 28 to 35 percent strikeout guys this year. And then you just throw Mike Fires into the middle of it, striking yeah. out about <laughs> as many guys as I would. Um, you know, it, it, it's just it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Texas obviously is really bad, but uh, I, I'm not going the fires. I just think I can be different without having to do that and sacrifice all that upside from the Texas side. You know, I don't really know where you target him. Normally, he struggles with right-handed power in particular. 225 expected ISO to righties this year, uh, 228 to lefties, so getting hit by by pretty much everyone so far this year. Joey Gallo would be the obvious starting point, which is the case pretty much every time you talk about Texas, but especially when you talk about a pitcher like Fires that doesn't miss bats, Joey Gallo has more home runs than singles in his career, at least as of last time I heard the stats. So um, him hitting the ball generally goes well. Uh, he is expensive, but you know, again, if you're saving some money at pitcher in the mid range, you can afford Gallo. So I think he stands out. Danny Santana and Dietrich are cheap. It, it's another offense that's just really cheap and in a, a good spot that they're not a really high probability team, but they're not getting as much ownership as teams like the Tigers either. Yeah, that's what's kind of weird to me is Texas is not very good, but the Tigers aren't exactly uh, juggernauts either. Mike Fires has allowed seven home runs thus far as well. He's really struggled with the long ball. Everything's being put in play from Fires as well. He struck out three or fewer batters in all but one of his six appearances. There's a, there's, there's a lot to like if you're opposing hitters. Uh, he's allowed, well, seven hits or more, in, or set exactly seven hits in five of six starts for whatever that's worth. But the home runs are something that stand out to me. Uh, fires can and will allow multiple home runs. And the, the fly ball rate on him is is up considerably. 51% fly balls against lefties, 37 against righties. Uh, so that's another thing to consider. Basically, no ground ball action, uh, inducing nothing on the dirt against uh, lefties. So yeah, Gallo Gallo is one guy that uh, becomes very appealing. He is very expensive, but a very appealing spot. And you know what? If the Texas stack is going to get uh, largely overlooked, well, actually, you know what's crazy about that is they actually have much higher ownership share right now than their top stack probability. God, they're a bad baseball team, Adam. Yes, they are. Any other interest in this game on either side, talking Oakland against Colby Allard? 
Um, yeah, I like the Oakland Bats. I mean, they have a five and a half implied run total. It's not like they're going to be sneaky, but they actually are expensive. And so this is the type of team that you can get to by going to mid-range arms at, at, at and not the Grom um, that, you know, we have them going on their own right now. And that's probably a big reason why, you know, we have them with um, 8.3% aggregate stack percentage, but a 10.8% top stack percentage, which is second to the Cubs. Allard has not been very good this year. Uh, to his credit, he's done a decent job limiting power to righties, but there's a ton of right-handed power in this lineup going up against the lefty. Um, looking back to the start of the 2018 season for Oakland, um, basically almost the entire lineup has an ISO north of 200 or, or at least north of 190. Khan is at two, 279. Davis is at 247. Um, Franklin Barreto, 59 plate appearances, but 224. Chapman's at 218. Piscotti's at 216. Semyon, 209. Loriano, 205. Even Matt Olson from the left side's at 195. Just tons and tons of power in this lineup. Um, obviously, if the roof is closed in Texas, it's not going to play like a great hitter's park, but they're still getting out of Oakland where every foul ball is an out. So that should benefit them as well. I think it's a positive park shift. I think it's a good matchup uh, for, for Oakland. I really, really like Oakland stacks here. Yeah, so do I. Uh, they're one of the few teams that actually has tire, high, higher top stack pr- probability than their ownership. Uh, they're, they're the type of team, that, too, that can just string together a ton of runs. Uh, from, uh, from a, just a straight stack perspective, they're going to they're gonna have some nights where they absolutely ravage opposing pitching staffs, and uh, the ownership on them isn't that high. What about the value? How, how expensive is this team? I think the one thing about Oakland is it's not impossible to get to them, but they are routinely very, very expensive, Adam, and that's something we're – I think you mentioned it, but that's something we're seeing again today, many of them 5K plus on DraftKings specifically. Yeah, I actually like that because I think it keeps the ownership in check, especially from a full stack standpoint. I think what Pacers you see a lot just of, fired Nate McMillan. I didn't see that coming. I thought he was a good coach. Sorry. Yeah, that's surprising. That that sucks. Like that team was so hurt. I mean, what, like what's he supposed to do without Sabonis? I know. Yeah, that and then like, I mean, obviously they ran into a good team in the first round too. That, and a banged up Oladipo clearly wasn't. Yeah, Oladipo banged up. Uh, Warren was playing through an injury too. Yeah, with plantar fat. I don't know. That, that seems yeah, a little that, that, that's tough. Sorry, go ahead. I, th- I figured um, you'd find that equally disappointing as I did. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's rough. Um, but yeah, I actually like how expensive Oakland is because I think, you know, one, it will just keep their ownership in check anyway. But also I think what you'll see a lot of is like mini stacks and one-offs because people will say, oh, I can play this cheap stack and I can afford two or three Oakland bats. Going with the full five-man stack is probably going to be relatively contrarian because – the entire team is projected, with the exception of Loriano and Semyon, is projected for less than 10% ownership. But Kana, Murphy, Piscotti, Olsen are all sub 5% on DraftKings right now. Chris Davis right at 5% also. So I think it'll be somewhat contrarian to, to full stack them. If you go like Sonny Gray, Denelson, Lamette, you have about $4,100 in salary to spend. So I think you should be able to make it work. You know, if you went even cheaper and used like Eliezer Hernandez or something, you can do whatever you want with that. So I, I think that. Their pri- I really like their pricing because there are so many cheap offenses on the slate. It's probably going to be a lot lower owned than it, it really should be. Okay. We'll move it on. We got four down, five to go. Cincinnati and Milwaukee on the bump for this one. Sonny Gray, Adrian Hauser. Hauser's um, had one or two solid outings. Outside of that, I, I think you, you pretty much have a good idea of what you're going to get from this guy. And it's it's not a ton of it's not a ton of upside. He strikes righties out at a very high clip. Uh, at least this year he is 29%. Granted, the, the sample isn't huge, but lefties, he's done nothing, no damage to lefties at all. Uh, 423 Woba, 234 ISO. He's gotten tuned up pretty good there. As far as righties, though, Adam, he's just done a very, very good job of limiting them almost entirely. Total Jekyll and Hyde situation here. Hauser has allowed basically nothing to righties at all. 0.024 ISO, 149 Woba, uh, and a 261 XFIP, and lefties have smoked him. He's, all four home runs have been to lefties. So I think there might be times where we can look at somebody like Adrian Hauser and, and consider rostering him, but he's probably going to face like six lefties in, in today's lineup. They might not be good lefties, many of them towards the bottom of this Reds order, but he's going to face a lot of them. 
Yeah, and he's he's interesting to look at because last year he struck out 25% of hitters from both sides of the plate. And then this year, as you said, he's really struggled with lefties, both in terms of allowing power and also strikeouts. You, you, you see so many pitchers now be, as teams become more advanced analytically that they throw their best pitches more and you, you see them have more success year over year. Hauser's gone the other direction. Um, if you look back at last season, he threw his four-seam fastball about 40% of the time to lefties. He threw his sinker about 22%. This year, he's throwing his sinker 40% and his four-seam fastball 25%. The sinker gets no swings and misses last year or this year, and it gets lit up. The fastball is not great either, but it's better than the sinker. So he's kind of going the opposite direction of what you want from a fantasy standpoint, and that's been reflected in his results so far. You know, I, I think that with all of the mid-priced arms on this slate, it'll be hard for me to get to Hauser just because I'm not really encouraged by what I've seen pitch mix-wise him doing this year and the fact that you know he's even if you say he's a 20 the 25 percent pitcher that he was last year he's still not as good as the guys that are only a thousand dollars more expensive right on the other side of this one Sonny gray your favorite guy's a damn good pitcher he just needed to get out of new york he actually has 30 plus DraftKings points in three of of six starts i mentioned that because it's not just that Sonny Gray has been good. Uh, he's been borderline elite. No, not even border. I'd say he's been pretty elite this season, especially from a DFS angle. Uh, and this is a Milwaukee team, Adam, that with the, with the added strikeouts you're seeing in this lineup, and there are, there are, there are a lot, they are striking out at the third highest clip against righties this season. They've got a 28% K rate. Christian Yelich's K rate is up around 30%. Uh, if you go from top to bottom on this Milwaukee Brewers lineup, they've got a lot of guys that are striking out at a 25 plus percent clip on the season, but specifically against righties and the Brewers 71 WRC plus against right-handed pitching, uh, 148 ISO, 278 weighted on base average. Take those numbers and, and look at them against the rest of the league. They have the third lowest ISO against righties ahead of only the Rangers and the Pirates. It has not been a particularly good offensive season for them. Uh, and Sonny Gray should be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, he comes in actually with the highest strikeout percentage on the slate this season at 34.9%, just ahead of Denelson Lamette. Are you surprised uh, so that his ownership is is lower than, than, than Lamette and Robbie Ray, or do you think it makes sense? I'm kind of surprised. People really love Denelson Lamette, which uh, I don't think is, is wrong. But it's 20% but, lower. That, that's I guess that's how I should have phrased it. 20% yes. lower is quite a bit. Sonny Gray to me seems underpriced. Yeah, I, I agree completely. He, he's even if you like, he, he's not over the course of the season. You don't expect him to have a higher strikeout percentage than Jacob Degrom, for example. But sure. he clearly has that the you know similar upside as far as strikeouts go. He's one of the best strikeout pitchers on the slate, even if you agree that he's not actually the best. And Milwaukee does strike out a lot, like you said. Um, he's throwing his slider more to righties this year, which has been a really really good pitch for him. It has a twenty seven percent swing strike percentage. Milwaukee, like you said, they've been striking out a lot. I think that, you know, any risk that comes from Christian Yelich basically, or, you know, what have you, like the, the salary accounts for that. And it's not even like Gray isn't throwing a lot of pitches. Cause that's something that in the past, sometimes it seemed like he would kind of come out an inning earlier than you would really like for DFS purposes, but he's gone at least six innings in every start, but one this year, he's thrown at least 99 pitches in each of his last four starts, reaching 110, two starts ago. So there's no real concerns, you know, workload wise. I don't have any reason not to like Gray. I really like him today. I, I, I'm telling you right now, Adam, his ownership is going to come up. Yeah, I, just, I think it will too. I just cannot imagine. That he, and I know Robbie Ray is inexpensive. I get that. But I can't imagine Robbie Ray's 32 and he's 23%. And Denelson Lamette's 43 in a great spot. Great pitcher as well uh, in a great matchup. 20, 23.7% on Sonny Gray against the Milwaukee team that sure uh, – I think they, they're better than their numbers would suggest. And we're, you know, if this was a real season, we'd be what, like a, a quarter way into it, right? Something like that or less, maybe less. I don't know. You get my point. Yeah. So things might turn around, but as it stands right now, this is a very good matchup for Sonny Gray. Uh, and I know I said similar things about, um, about Trevor Bauer the other day, and he got tuned up a little bit. Although I did take that over on on seven and a half strikeouts, thought he yeah. gave me. I thought that. Would you hit that in the third inning? What's up? I said, would you hit that in like the third, fourth Dude, inning? Dude, no, Terry. 
You, you can't bet mid-game player pro- unless you can. No, uh, no, no, no. I meant like you won it in the third or the fourth Oh, inning. oh, 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 got you, got you. Yeah, but he start. I was shocked to see his 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 K prop was only at seven and a half with the way he's pitched, especially against uh, Milwaukee. He ended up only getting eight, but you know we'll take it. Uh, I thought you were saying did I did I bet no, it no. in the third? I was like, eh, I didn't know no. you could do that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think because I, I rostered him and he started out really bad, but then I think he had like I think he struck out like six or seven of the first nine guys he faced. Yeah, he did. Third uh, out he got nine guys he faced. Yeah, he, the first inning he only had one strikeout. And he allowed a run, like three or four base runners, and then he he figured it out a bit. But look, still, Trevor Bauer still struck out eight, and that was his worst start of the season by a, by a mile. The the Milwaukee Brewers have have seeded some really big games to opposing pitchers and opposing righties this year. So uh, I'll stop talking about Sonny Gray. But ultimately, and, and and maybe maybe you can touch on this real quick. Sometimes because because you you can articulate this pretty well. Sometimes if you have a certain price point on a pitcher that is just very good, like the ownership playing into it as well, but it does kind of feel like when the stars align in a spot where relating to Sonny Gray price point, matchup, ownership, everything's kind of falling into place here. And it almost seems too good to be true. Yeah. It always scares me because it seems like DraftKings pricing is right more often than we give credit for. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you also that Gray's ownership probably comes up throughout the day. It kind of levels off with Lamette, I would expect. But yeah, it's just, I, I think any risk that you're looking at, because I agree with you also, Milwaukee's lineup is more potent than they've been so far this year. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not a lot. Like, there, there's a lot of power in this line. Um, but you, you still have, you know, Christian Hero or Keston Hero strikes out a ton, smokes a high K guy, Garcia is a high K guy. Nervias um, is even striking out at 25%. Yeah. And, the the strikeout upside from Gray and the, the reduced price point, he can give up a couple of runs. And if he strikes out as many guys as you're expecting, he's still going to be fine. It's not like you're talking about 10K where the margin for error is really, really low. So, you know, yeah, at this price, I think that it's, it's well worth it. And if the ownership does stay as low as it is, then it's even better. Are you interested in hitters on either side? Not really. The pricing on the Reds isn't really that great. Hauser, I think, is a pretty decent pitcher, even though he has struggled some this year. I'm not looking to go against Gray, and the guys I would want to go to are super expensive too. So, yeah, not really. All right, fair enough. Let's keep this one moving then. We're talking about Kansas City and St. Louis. Daniel Hudson, sorry, Dakota Hudson. Daniel Hudson, that was a while ago. Dakota Hudson, Jake Junis. Uh, Junis always gives me problems, man. The, the guy, his, his, I feel like he, I feel like I say this about every Kansas City pitcher, but so many of them look like they should be better or worse than they actually are. You got somebody like Brad Keller that can not allow a home run across 497 innings. Uh, and then somebody in Junis who will go out there, have massive home run problems uh, against a certain handedness. You run out a lineup of a stack. They're all left-handed and, and he shuts them all down. Uh, Danny Duffy's another one where he'll just walk 18 guys, not give up a single hit. It's it's a, it's a frustrating rotation for sure. But now you've got Junis coming in against Hudson. Uh, your total in this game is uh, 5.2 runs for the Cardinals against Junis, four runs for the Royals. Cardinals minus 167 money line, and their ownership right now uh, is very, very high. They have the second highest aggregate ownership of any team on this nine-game slate, Adam. But their top stack probability, way, way lower than their ownership. Yeah, it's another – this shapes up to me as just a really fun tournament slate because of the DraftKings pricing. Like, it's just another team in the Cardinals that's in a good spot. They're great point-per-dollar plays. Jacob Junis gives up a ton of home runs, doesn't strike out many guys. There's plenty of power in the Cardinals lineup. They're a good stack, but the ownership's going to go there. And you're just going to have so much ownership concentrated on a few teams on this slate that I think it's you're, – you're just going to make more money long-term by being on – Teams that are in slightly worse spots, but um, you know, have the same upside. But you know, I, I do think again, it's in cash games. You know, thirty five hundred dollars Matt Carpenter is clearly mispriced. Colton Wong, if he's leading off at thirty three hundred, is certainly in consideration there. Very, very good point per dollar plays on the Cardinals. Plenty of upside here. Um, Junis, he was someone that I, I always wanted to believe in for DFS because he does have a really good slider, but everything else he has is just so bad that he can't really be that effective. His fastball isn't good enough to really set up the slider and, and be as good as he otherwise would be. So gives up a ton of power, 
um, doesn't strike out a, a really high clip of guys, it's a really good spot for the Cardinals, I think. It really is. Pretty much everything aligns for them too in terms of, of price point and, and outside of ownership. That's the only that's the only spot. Ownership is very high, but the implied totals at five and a half runs. They're gonna be popular. They're probably gonna put up a fair amount of runs. Uh June is coming off the the injured list as well. His last start was on the seventh of August. So I don't know how many pitches he's gonna throw at him. I, I can't imagine he's all that limited, but I think you'd probably give him like 80 or so if I had to guess, 85. I don't know. It's not something I'd be particularly worried about. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the top stack percentage for the Cardinals, and it just made me kind of do a double take because I hadn't looked. But I, I don't really like – we you know, we talked about the Reds and Brewers. I don't really like the Reds from like a – just I don't see anything that makes me really like them. But we have them with the fifth highest top stack percentage and like 2% ownership. If those numbers hold just the way I make my lineups, I'm going to end up getting to Cincinnati. Just wanted to point that out. Okay. Yeah. Then that makes, well, talk to me a little bit more about Cincinnati then. What? You, I, you said, I, I, go ahead. Like I, per, I personally don't really like them. Like I disagree with the top stack percentage, but I also trust Alex's numbers. And so I know the way that I end up because of how much I use the top stack percentage in making my lineups, I will end up liking Cincinnati. If that ownership and top stack percentage holds, I don't see any numbers that really make me, personally buy into it but uh again i just kind of trust alex on that stuff okay yeah and so do i trust the guy that knows more about dfs winning than than anybody do you have anything else on this specific game dakota hudson's kind of weird um has never been a great strikeout pitcher kansas city obviously is not a very good offense um so far this season hudson has struck out 25 percent of hitters which is higher than than usual um, 30% of lefties, 18% of righties. I still don't think I'm going to him just because there's so many really, really good strikeout pitchers in that price range, but only a four implied run total for Kansas city. Hudson's, I think, I think Hudson's fine. I just don't prefer him to the other guys around him. Okay. Okay. Seattle and San Diego, Denelson, the Met, Taiwan Walker, well, let's talk about Lamette then because we've we've already alluded to it many times today that he's going to be getting a lot of ownership. Uh, 43% on DraftKings currently. FanDuel, you're talking 22.5%. Uh, it's a single pitcher site. So uh, it's funny because you get DeGrom uh, at 43 and then Lamette pretty much half of what he is and then Robbie Ray half of what he is at 11. And then, then there's Sonny Gray. It pretty much falls off a cliff though. Uh, and it's you know half, half, half. So there's three popular pitchers, but a couple of them are greatly more popular uh, than the other ones. Let's talk about Lamette. Let's talk about what we already know, a bad Seattle offense, a pretty decent pitcher's park in Petco, uh, and a, a, a good San Diego righty that is very much capable of racking up strikeouts at an elite clip. Yeah, he's a great strikeout pitcher, obviously. Um, comes in with the second highest strikeout percentage on the slate at 34.1%. He's also gotten his walks in check this year, um, an 8.3% walk percentage. Basically, his numbers are just really, really similar to Sonny Gray in, in that department. Um, his XFIP's about a full run higher than Gray's. But, you know, it's a, a favorable matchup against the Mariners, too, as far as a team that does have plenty of strikeouts in their lineup. They obviously have ruined some pretty popular pitchers lately. That's not something you're really – Focusing on though, the, the opportunity is certainly there. Only a 3.2 implied run total for Seattle as well, and a really favorable price point for Lamette. So, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it before. I, I think that the ownership gap right now between Lamette and Gray is too big, but I do really like pairing the two of them together. You're going to be at least somewhat contrarian by doing that because it means you're not rostering a 55% on DeGrom. And so that, you know, at least eliminates a, a good chunk of lineups, and then you can be contrarian with your bats as well. So, it, it, even though I think he is. Too high, too highly owned right now relative to all the other options around him that have pretty close ranges of outcomes. I don't think it's a spot where you want to just look and say, oh, well, I'm just not going to roster with Matt because I think you can um, make some pretty unique lineups while still having him. So <clears throat> we've got something really awesome that I want to touch on real quick before we get to these other games. With football right around the corner, Okay, we got less than three weeks. Adam, I know even you're excited for NFL right now. Yeah, I, I am. I, I'm stoked for it. Now, granted, because of the shutdown, 
because uh, I, I have a show on Sirius XM or Osmo Radio. I've been talking about football since like March. There wasn't anything else to talk about, right? So I've been preparing for this. But for everybody else, and even if you have been, here's an awesome, awesome deal that we just set up starting today because football's right around the corner. You sign up for an Osmo Plus NFL annual pass for 30% off when you use the promo code ROGER. And I don't know where this one can. It's Roger with no D. You guys are killing me with this promo code, but we're going to do it anyway. Roger, R-O-G-E-R. So I like Goodell. What? Like Goodell. Correct. But there's two very popular spellings of Roger. You sure. know what I mean? So like make it Mahomes. There's only right. one spelling <laughs> of Mahomes. Or, or, or spell it like the player, not the commissioner. <laughs> Sure, sure. Uh, anyway, that's besides the point because it's an awesome promo. Get $30 or sorry, not 30, 30%, 30 full percent off an Awesome Plus NFL annual pass when you use the code Roger, R-O-G-E-R. But, and this gives you ownership, it gives you projections, all of our premium content, everything you need to be successful this year in NFL. There's only 17 weeks to do it, man. You want to make sure you're getting the best content, the best information available throughout these few months because then it's gone before you know it it's a wonderful novelty you want to take advantage of it but i know most of you guys are season-long players as well and here's the best part at awesome we have our first ever season-long product it's completely data driven alex baker al awesome himself took the uh, he's the number one ranked player in the world dfs player in the world took his approach to projections for dfs and applied it to season long it's really awesome we have the uh, rankings projections we have uh, breakout player tools. We have sleepers, super sleeper tools. We have our amazing rankings, the draft wingman that helps you as you draft your team, player cards with graphs, it, it, everything you need to be successful. So because we're launching that, right, you get that entirely free with your season-long NFL Awesome o Plus DFS Pass. So you get that for 30% off, and then you get our inaugural season-long fantasy football pass completely free. Alex Baker took that knowledge, applied it to this, and it's going to be awesome. So do that. And then one more thing, right? I'm serious. This is insane. This is the best one we've ever done. If you do sign up for this using that promo code ROGER, you get a $35 credit to FFPC, Fantasy Football Player Championship. It's one of the best sites out there to play best ball leagues and fantasy football leagues. They got some high stakes and low stakes stuff. You get $35 credit for that as well. So 365 days worth of Awesome Plus NFL, all access to, to the sport, and our draft kit for season long, plus a twenty a $35 credit to FFPC. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Use that promo code, Roger. If I haven't sold you yet, I don't know what to tell you because this is the best thing we've done in a while. All right, Adam, let's keep it rolling here. Where am, where am I at? Taiwan Walker? Yes. We're still on Seattle. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, what are you what are you doing with Walker, if anything? What are you doing with Sa uh, San Diego Bats, if anything? Yeah, man, San Diego is getting some ownership, too. I kind of was disappointed by that because um, Taiwan Walker, I don't think, is very good. And the Padres Bats obviously are. Um, most of the team, though, is really cheap. You do have a very expensive Tatis and a, a moderately priced Machado. But for the season, Taiwan Walker, to right-handed Bats in particular, um, has actually held them to a – a sub 100 expected ISO. He's given up a ton of power with a 308 expected ISO to lefties. So, you know, maybe something to consider just kind of looking into a, a Grisham or a Hosmer, uh, Jake, Jake Cronenworth, a, a decent value as well. But I think it's overall a, a good spot for the Padres. Not probably not worth the ownership that they're getting right now. We have them as we have them in the middle of the pack as far as top stack percentage goes. So I'm um, definitely be paying attention to the ownership there, but I do think it's a, a favorable spot because I don't think Taiwan Walker is very good. Okay. Let's talk about Colorado and Arizona. Robbie Ray getting a considerable amount of pop, uh, ownership today. $6,900 for Robbie Ray against Colorado. And John Gray as well. Two pitchers that I've had very high hopes for. I believe they've already faced each other on the same day this season, and it didn't end particularly well for either of them. Robbie Ray, man, it's 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 been rough. Like He still has good strikeout stuff. His walk rate is unbelievably high. You can't make this up, Adam. His walk rate is so concerning that 
you just simply can't trust him to get past five innings. He hasn't gone more than five innings once all season. He hasn't got, gotten through five innings in three of six starts this season. It's a legitimate problem for Robbie Ray. His walk rate right now, you ready for this? 18.7% and his K rates down to 26%, down five and a half percent from last year. I, I, I don't, I don't know what to say about him outside of if you play him, you better hope he gets you eight or nine strikeouts because otherwise Robbie Ray is going to walk 17 batters and he won't get through the fifth inning unless a miracle happens. Yeah. He's, he's really, really ownership dependent for me because we, we talk a lot about, you know, range of outcomes versus medium projections. And normally when we do that, it's in the context of, you know, this pitcher's medium projection isn't really that good, but his range of outcomes is, is high because he has good strikeout stuff with Robbie Ray. It's kind of the opposite. Like, Right now, at least with the ownership at 32%, it's like everyone is willing to roster him because they they realize that his ceiling is higher than his salary. But if everyone is, is doing that, there's an advantage in just saying like, okay, well, I'm going to just bet that Robbie Ray hits his median projection and is, is essentially useless. So um, if the ownership does come down, that's something we've seen in recent Robbie Ray starts. His ownership or projected ownership earlier in the day is a lot higher than it ends up being closer to lock. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but if it stays really high, like I would rather, and we don't have, we don't have him in the ownership projections right now, but I would rather roster um, Elias or Hernandez at 6,600 than a popular Robbie Ray at 69. So would I, so would I, I can't, I can't rely on Robbie Ray right now. Uh, this sounds crazy that we would say this because generally our, our idea on Robbie Ray was always, man, the guy's got a ton of potential. He just needs to put it together. And I don't mean season to season. I mean, game to game, because there were times you go out there and he doesn't get banged up and, and he, and he strikes a bunch of guys out, but he's, he's also allowing a lot of home runs, Adam. He's, he's allowed nine home runs in, in 27 innings. He's walked 25 batters in 27 innings. It's, I think we, you and I discussed this once and we said, it may have been you that said, I can't, I can't remember. It's one of us that the, he's a three outcome pitcher, strikeouts, walks, or home runs. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's an example of, you can't look at all pitchers equally, like with regard to ownership. Um, When you talk about like a Jacob deGrom, to some extent, I don't really care what his ownership is. I can just be different elsewhere and get a pitcher that move away and go to someone else. And when the field's not there, you should be willing to roster them because they do have such volatility and such a, a, a wide range of outcomes. Right now, though, it just seems like everyone is saying, yep, Robbie Ray projects for like two times his salary and he has good strikeout stuff. So let's play him. And, you know, you can just if he gets 13, 14 points, that's not winning you a tournament. And if you don't have him, it's not losing you the tournament. So um, if the ownership stays this high, I would rather, uh, for one, be going to other pitchers. And for two, be going to Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. Um, I guess that's about it. But Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. What are your thoughts on Robbie Ray and the bats in this game? Um, yeah, for, I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry, know, John, John John Gray. I'm sorry. Yeah, his his velocity's been concerning this year, to say the least. Um, he's he's been all downhill off. since they DF. You remember they DFA'd him? Actually, like, totally. I, did they DFA him or just option him? Oh, you might be, you might be right. I can't. Whatever. It was, I think they optioned him. If they DFA'd him, you wouldn't still be on the Rockies. You're right. But, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Still, yeah, I think they, they, they sent him down. You're right. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, his, his fastball velocity this year is down 2.2 miles per hour, um, which is the third biggest decrease on the slate behind Mike Fires and Colby Allard, who we already talked about have both been atrocious. Um, so it, it, you're not really feeling too confident about him. This is a pitcher that I know you and I have both had a lot of interest in in the past, but the strikeout stuff has been awful this year. He's, he's thrown 500 pitches now, and he's struck out 12% of righties and 12% of lefties. 202 expected ISO to lefties, 178 to righties. Uh, like I said, fastball velocity averaging just shy of 94 miles an hour this year, which on the surface is fine, but when you consider that last year he was averaging over 96, that's not what you're looking for. Um, so, you know, definitely legitimate concerns there, and I think Arizona in general is a pretty decent offense. 5.1 implied run total for the Diamondbacks. A lot of pretty solid hitters in this lineup that have power. I'm not really looking to get to John Gray here just because I think there are so many red flags about how he's pitching this season outside of just the results. Yeah, I have, I have pretty much no interest in it. I can't I can't get there. You're right. He was optioned, by the way, after 17 starts in 2018. Um, it's, it, it's an ugly matchup for both of these guys. John Gray's strikeout stuff has been brutal. And you, and you talked about velocity too, but man, 
neither neither sides of this to me are really all that appealing. At, at Robbie Ray's ownership, I just don't think he's – I don't think Robbie Ray is cheap enough for me to love him at 32% ownership. Hell, Robbie Ray should probably be like 5,800 for me to really get on board with this. I'm not there. Uh, bats on either side. We just kind of shit on both of these guys a little bit. What are you doing with hitters, knowing that the, the totals coming in on this one between the Diamondbacks and Rockies are 5-1 and 4-5? 5-1 for the Arizona, 4-5 for the Rockies. Both teams getting a lot of ownership right now, but um, individually, I, I do like Arenado with Story. I think Kemp is cheap enough. You could use him as a value bet um, that you know maybe he's a little bit lower owned than some of the other guys like on the Cubs that we talked about. So right-handed power against Ray, I do really like. On the other side, I, I like some Arizona full stacks just because it's not really like Colorado where you have these two great power hitters that really stand out and the rest of the team drops off in, the, in this matchup. But you, you do have a, a nice combination of guys that have some power and speed with Calhoun, Mar- both Martes, um, Peralta, Christian Walker, Escobar. Like one through six in this lineup is is pretty solid. So um, against the pitcher in Gray, whose stuff has really dropped off this year and who isn't missing bats, I think that full stacking is is – a pretty good strategy. All right. You want to close this one out? San Francisco yep. and the LA Dodgers? Yep. Clayton Kershaw, Kevin Gossman. By the way, the uh, San Francisco 40, 49ers, <laughs> San Francisco Giants, you know, football's coming up. You know how it goes. San Francisco Giants are are winning baseball games and, and winning a lot of baseball games. I think they've won seven straight. Something absurd. I think they've won seven straight games, dude. Uh, they just beat the Dodgers 10-8 last night. It's it's another one of these strange occurrences in a 60-game season. Anything can happen. This isn't to say they're winning the World Series by any measure or even making the playoffs, but they have been they have been playing well. So today you've got Kershaw, you've got Gossman. Uh, Gossman, very, very cheap in this matchup. I, I guess I understand that, but I don't know. D- Kevin Gossman at 6,400, it feels like even in this spot, he should be a little bit more expensive than that. He's he's had spectacular strikeout stuff this year, and sometimes that's all that matters. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I, I've always been quick to say it in the past, but Kevin Gossman's figured it out. Uh, I don't know, dude. Don't go there yet. <laughs> I think you're probably right, but at that 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 quote right there has burned me more times than I. Yeah, can count. I mean, it's it's probably the 15th time I've said it, and it's been wrong 14 times before. So I still remember I was I was at my like three years ago. I lived at my at an apartment like 30 minutes from here, and I was walking the dog, and you and I were talking about. Gossman and both of us had said like, oh, look, this looks good. Okay, this looks good. His, his first, do you remember this? It was like three years ago, three or four years ago. And his first start was amazing. His velocity was up. He looked great. We're like, okay, this is it. The next start, his velocity was down like four miles per hour. <laughs> he got absolutely obliterated. And I had probably 80% Gossman. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember he wasn't the only Oriole that would have like, he'd be throwing 95 and then he'd come out the next start and be throwing 91. Dylan Bundy. Yeah. Bundy did it. Tillman had a stretch where he did it. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, he, he's throwing his splitter to both sides of the plate, which is something that we said he needed to do for years. And the only person apparently in the world that could figure it out was Caleb Joseph. But he, he's doing it now. He has a 40% splitter usage to righties, getting 25.5% swinging strike rate on the pitch. He's throwing it 40% to lefties with a 17% swinging strike percentage. He struck out 34% of righties, 28.5% of lefties so far. The park is still favorable, even with the fences moved in a bit. Obviously, the matchup sucks. Um, it, it's You're not going to roster Gossman and feel good about it. But he is projected for 3% ownership compared to 32% for Robbie Ray right now. I think he's the better pitcher out of the two in terms of talent, obviously has the worst matchup, but in, in large field tournaments, I think going to Gossman at really low ownership makes sense. It's probably not something that I would get to in like my three max lineups because it's just probably not really necessary there. But um, if you're trying to win these huge field tournaments, going to a guy in Gossman that struck out over 30% of hitters this year that has gotten some legitimate swinging strike numbers in tough matchups. Um, he's made five starts this year, one in Colorado, 16.9% swinging strike percentage. One against the Dodgers was at 13.8%, faced Oakland and got 17%. And then his last start against the Angels was at 15.8%. You know, just really getting a ton of swings and misses here. His stuff and his numbers are just better than his salary. 
um, without factoring in the matchup. You know, obviously when you factor in the matchup, that's why he's cheap. That's why his ownership is low. In addition to the fact that, you know, again, he's fooled us many times before, but I am intrigued by Gossman's upside here. So Unc just, Uncle DMS just said, Lafayette, check, check out how many pitchers pitched in that game last night. Take a guess how many pitchers were used in that game. What game? Uh, Dodgers, San Francisco. Oh. 16? 18. <laughs> That's think, was, was it a nine-inning game? What? Was it a nine-inning game? It was 11, but still, that's no. like, even at 11. Especially now, because you have to pitch to three batters. It's not like there was like I an know. inning where they were just like taking something out after every batter. It's a, right. That's so absurd. One, one, two, three, four, five, six of San Francisco's 10 pitchers did not get through a single inning. I don't know. Maybe that means Gossman stays out a little bit longer or the, you know, or it's possible that if a guy faced three pitchers or batters, he's just going to come back out today and they're actually not as taxed as they look. Gosman's thrown a hundred plus pitches in back-to-back starts though. So uh, he can be a little bit erratic and, and there will be times where he runs his pitch counts up, get, has a pretty laborious inning, but I don't think it's the craziest idea to have. And look, he might go out there and get hammered. That's very possible. It's a very good Dodgers team. Uh, it's just a matter of he's pretty cheap and, Maybe he has figured it out. And if he has, you know, a good pitcher can shut down a good offense. Even the most appealing spot to attack it is probably on that three-game night slate. That sure. also includes – it includes Robbie Ray. So you know Ray is going to get just a That's ton of point. ownership. And then you can go to Gossman without having to worry about the, you know, 15 other high upside pitchers that you're fading by rostering Gossman. For sure. For sure. Uh, any thoughts on on uh, Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, I think he's also really good. I mean, the Giants, not a great offense. 3.2 implied run total. Uh, Kershaw is, you know, obviously he, he dropped off from what he used to be, but still for the season has a 32% strikeout percentage. He's walking 4% of hitters. He's not, not back to Pete Kershaw, but he's back being a very, very good pitcher at a reasonable price point. I, I prefer DeGrom to him if I can get there, but you know, you also do have, I don't think that an 11K Jacob DeGrom should be four times as owned as a 10.2K Clayton Kershaw in, in these respective spots. Hit that thumbs up, guys, before, and girls, before we head out of this one. Helps us out a ton. Uh, try and get that up over 100 here. Subscribe, hit the notification bell as well. If you haven't done so yet, you'll always know when new content's dropping next year on the YouTube channel. Uh, it allows us to keep putting out free content, for sure. Uh, the more interaction, engagement, and likes we get, uh, or thumbs up, down of any sort. So we appreciate you. Let's close it out here with bats. Any any interest in Dodger hitters? We we've talked a lot of good about Gossman, but there's there's also the dark side of Gossman that he can unravel, right? And he can give up the long ball uh, in the blink of an eye. He can cough up three in a row. What it is it? It was Bundy, wasn't it? It wasn't. Was it Bundy that got zero outs against uh, the? Was it the Royals? Kansas City. Royals Kansas City. gave up eight runs at right. Yeah, Bundy, yeah, right? I, I remember that. Yeah. I had a lot of money that day. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? Like minus negative 30? I had oh, yeah, something stupid. It might be the worst st- like numerical start ever in terms of negative points. Someone, I know someone had a really bad one earlier this year where they just let him stay in for like four innings and just get the shit kicked out of him. Someone did it in that same season as Bundy too. It was someone that gave up like seven runs. It might've been Homer Bailey, seven runs without getting an out as well, which was bizarre. But, uh, yeah, Bundy got absolutely obliterated. Yeah. Um, I do have interest in the Dodgers bats, but it's more based on how ownership looks right now. Like, if you look at the top four teams and top stack percentage right now, it's the the Cubs, the A's, the Dodgers, and the Diamondbacks. Even if you – like, if, if you think Gossman's improved, then obviously you would expect the Dodgers' top stack percentage to be a little bit lower than it is. But still, um, 19% aggregate ownership going to the Cubs, 8.5 to Oakland, 9.5 to the Diamondbacks, less than 4 to the Dodgers. So it doesn't really have to do with the matchup against Gossman, who I do think has improved, um, but clearly still doesn't have the sample size for you to say like he's untouchable or anything like that. But it's really just how much talent there is on the Dodgers. They could be facing a very wide range of pitchers, and if you're telling me they're only going to get 4% ownership, I'm going to be really interested in going to the Dodgers. All right. Hey, follow us on Twitter too, by the way, if you haven't done so yet. At ShipMyMoneyDFS, at Lafayette underscore D. If you don't have a Twitter account, it definitely makes life 
a lot easier for for all sports, specifically basketball, maybe a little football, baseball too. But uh, it's a good spot to be for sports to get information uh, and to understand what's going on before anybody else. Follow us at awesomeo underscore com as well at awesomeo MLB, all that good stuff, so you can always know and stay up to date. That'll do it for us, Adam. Any other thoughts before we head out for the day? No, I think that's it. You and I'll be back. Three o'clock, NBA Live Before Lock, doing two shows together today. And not only that, we got a bunch of other stuff coming up. You can start that music, Jordan. We're good, baby. Uh, fantasy football. We got some fantasy football podcasts about to drop. Be sure to check that out. Man, I know you're DFS people, but there's going to be a ton of money right now in the fantasy football space. Huge best ball contests everywhere, season-long stuff. Get in it now before it's too late. Check out our content. I think you'll enjoy it. So we got a lot more coming up. Of course, MLB Live before lock at 6 p.m. Eastern time as well. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Osmo.com MLB Strategy Show.